Yeah, I've never heard that song before. And I found that. I said, man, that is a cool song with a great message. You just heard about how Jesus saves and he saves us from our sin to bring us into a relationship with God. But what we find often is that there's there's a lack of reason beyond that. Why does God leave us here? Well, did you know once I was a runner? I was. Um, I, I was forced to run in high school because they had the six-week test, and you had to run two miles, and I hated it. I hated it. I knew then whatever God was calling me to do was not to be a runner. But sometime in Cobden days, in Cobden years, I picked up running. And um, I would run two miles, and I would run, I think it was about a 6.30 or 6.20 mile, which isn't too bad uh, for a short guy. And, uh, and particularly, by the way, anyone here ever do the River to River run? Okay, well, that included Bell Hill. I ran up Bell Hill. And if you know anything about Bell Hill, there's another name for it that rhymes with Bell. Because it goes like this. And everyone hates it. You don't want the Bell Hill leg of the River River run. Well, I ran that. And I did great. I was doing good. I ran five days a week, you know, just chugging up there and doing down, coming back. And then one day. And then one day a friend of mine named Jerry Bainey. Jerry was a little crazy. And uh, Jerry said, hey, why don't we go out to Highway 51 and we'll do like a five-mile loop? Well, two and a half out and two and a half back. And he said, it's level. Jerry lied. It was not level. And so we go out there and we ran. And it wasn't long before I'm doing some pretty good huffing and puffing. Somewhere about three miles, somewhere in there, right beyond the two-mile point. I'm really huffing and puffing. And I really became angry at Jerry because he put me in this situation. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm just like, Jerry, I can't believe you're doing this to me. You know. And so we did, we did make it finally. We did make it back to the car. And that day, running died in me. I never ran again. Just like that. I'm serious. I never ran. Well, one time Judy was mad at me and I ran. But that doesn't count. I'm talking about running for recreation. But running died in me that day. And what happened was I was not prepared for the challenges of the longer distance. And it killed me. Did you know that's true spiritually? We are called to run for Christ. But so often we don't do the preparation for the endurance for the marathon that God God calls us to. And so often that results in people dropping by the wayside and not running the race that God has called us to race. So we want to take Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you'd like to turn your Bibles there this morning, I must confess to you, I love this scripture. If you've got it marked in your Bible, when Dwayne preaches and what he preaches, you've got several notations here. And I really preach this with the idea of the sermon title, Old Guard. But then I realized I had a mixed metaphor, and you can't really take a soldier and put running in there together. So we'll call it Old Guard, and, and then we'll go on with the running motif, all right? It's a wonderful, wonderful scripture. And let's look and see how God challenges us to run in this life for him. Now, the author starts out, we're not sure who wrote Hebrews. Um, we're really not even sure who Hebrews was directed to. Uh, some of the Jews that had been scattered around. A lot of people think Paul. So if you, use, if you hear me use the word Paul, the name Paul, uh, a lot of theologians believe that Paul wrote it. We're really not sure, though. But he starts out by saying this. Therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses, there's a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Now, he starts with a word of encouragement. Now, 
The word therefore is for a reason. It looks back to chapter 11. And if you know anything about the Bible, chapter 11 is the Hebrew or the Heroes um, Hall of Faith. Of faith. I mean, these are the guys who really, really in the Old Testament walked with God. And you hear people like a guy named Enoch. He's only mentioned like twice in the Bible, once in the Old Testament, once in the New Testament. And Enoch was a guy, and here's what it says about him. He was so and so old, he fathered Methuselah, the oldest guy in the Bible. But Enoch walked with God. Are you ready? Talking about a marathon. 300 years. And then the Bible says Enoch was not because God took him. God simply took him home. He didn't die. Just one day he was here and the next day he was not. Enoch. Then there's a guy like Noah. You know, Noah lived as a light in a very dark world. And he's the guy who built the boat. And there wasn't an ocean nearby. I mean, people go by and say, well, you know, Noah, I'm building an ark. Why? There's no water because judgment's coming. He believed God, and sure enough, judgment came. And then there's a guy named Abraham, who was purely a pagan. And one day God spoke to him. Jehovah God spoke and said, I want you to leave this place. I've chosen you. I'm going to bless you, and you'll be the father of many nations. And Abraham simply believed God and did exactly what God said. And on and on it goes like that. In fact, this is so cool. Did you know there's a, a prostitute listed? A lady named Ray, uh, Rahab. Who, who simply believed God. Judgment was coming upon Jericho. And she lived in Jericho. And she believed God and, and helped the spies that had come to that landscape. And because of that, she's listed in the Heroes Hall of Faith. How incredible is that? Now, we all have our own chapter 11, don't we? We love to look back. All these people. And by the way, every one of these people were imperfect. Every one of these people were a product of God's grace. Every one of these people were saved by faith. They looking forward to the cross. We looking back to the cross. Every one of these people had struggles in their life even after they became God followers. And yet everyone finished the race and now lives in a place called heaven. How incredible is that? And then we've got our own chapter 11. Uh, Here's a short list. Men like Doug, Larry, J.R., Raymond, Everett. Guys, I'm getting a lot of feedback up here, okay? Everett, Dwayne, Gladys, Norman, Val, Randy, Myrtle, Barbara, Imogene, Novella, Dorothy, Alta, Linda, John, Dave, Kurt, Jerry, Willard, Liv, Connie, Bruce, Irene, Marion, Murray, George, Jimmy, and Wilma. Those are all people that, since I've been here, have left their fingerprint and their footprint. And that's a short list. There's many, many more. And that's our chapter 11. And each one of them had a testimony of faith. And each one of them were a product of God's grace. And each one of them, if they could now, and they did while they were here, would be encouragers to keep running. To keep running. To keep running. To not give up. So the author gives us this encouragement. I know there's some people, and they're really strange, but they love to run. But some of us struggle in running. And there's some people that seem to make the Christian life look so easy. But for some of us, it's a struggle. And they would encourage us to keep running. And then he moves down in verse 1. Therefore, since we also have such a great large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And then he says this. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. He shifts 
to a runner's motif. He shifts to the idea of a runner. Now, there's something we've got to pause with here. It is really, really hard to be a halfway runner. I mean, if you're, if you're running at all, if you run and then you quit for a month and go back, you lose a lot. And it's very, very difficult. Running takes real commitment. But there's this idea that enough is enough. Um, you know, so often we have people who will simply say this. I made the team. And that's enough. I, I was talking to Todd. And I hope I remember this. And sure enough, I did, Todd. We were talking about Notre Dame, who, by the way, won again. And by the way, I'll blame a lost. <laughs> anyway, so here's Notre Dame now. Still undefeated. But if you look at the, at the replays of the games, they're won in overtime. They're won by three points. A real struggle. And here's what Todd said. It seems they play just good enough to win. And a lot of people say, I will go out and buy the shoes, and that's my commitment to running. I'll, I'll go out, I'll be on the team, I'll, I'll get the uniform, but that's as far as I'll go. And spiritually... We have a tendency in Western culture to say, I've got heaven. And that's enough. I see it in so many lives. I've I, I got my ticket punched, Dwayne. I said the prayer. Uh, I, I got it. I'm going. I got baptized. I'm on my way. But they seem to be satisfied with just heaven. And yet God has so much more than just heaven. Listen to Paul, what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Listen to this. Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. However, they do it to receive a crown that will fade away. But we a crown that will never fade away. Therefore, I do not run like one who runs aimlessly, or I don't box like one beating the air. Instead... I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul is saying that when we receive Jesus Christ, we are to be intentionally committed to running the race. And that means whatever it takes. If you find yourself here today and your response would be, I've got my ticket punched, I'm going to heaven. Please understand that the picture of that just being enough, that, that, that all I need is heaven, Jesus is my fire escape, is a secular view and not a biblical view. You will not find in this book, you will not find in this book, this casual approach that we have to the Christian life. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. But what you do see is salvation by grace and then a commitment to live out the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Doing whatever it takes. And, and Paul, or the author of Hebrews, says this then. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnared us. He gives us two pictures. Weight and sin. Now, the weight thing, I, I've sitting there, I told Judy about this this morning. I never thought about it. I do not use, first off, this one thing to say is strictly biblical. In other words, it is what Paul had in mind in this illustration. But it's, it's so far-fetched in our culture. When Paul says, lay aside every weight, he was talking about Greek runners. And there were two things that would impede a Greek runner. One was clothes, 
and the other was a body fat situation, just like we do today. The bottom line is this. When you raced in a Greek race, you ran naked. Now, that's easy to understand. You can imagine trying to run a race with bulky clothes on. But in our culture, that seems so different and strange. But you understand the runner, and then, by the way, they didn't have the Adidas shorts. They didn't have all that. They ran, like I say, with what they had, which was nothing in that case. But here's what I want you to understand. This is going to put an image in your mind. I hope you can get. Imagine 15 or 20,000 people in the stands. And all of them got clothes on. And even in that culture, you're one of 12 at the starting line with nothing on. Would that be a little uncomfortable? Do you understand that in the culture we are living in, if we follow what the Bible says about being a Christian, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable? Have you figured out yet in this life that when you choose to forgive, when forgiveness is not not something you want to do, when you choose to love, when you choose to say no to certain things, that is not a cultural thing anymore? And that if we are going to run the race, we will be uncomfortable. Just like those Greek runners probably were. But they were so committed to running, they were willing to do whatever it took. Now, it also said this. Lay aside that sin. And notice it says the sin. Most theologians, a lot of theologians agree that, that Paul or the author of Hebrews had in mind a particular sin. Each one of us, each one of us have a sin that we are weak toward. Okay? That we have a weakness in. It may be pride. It may be jealousy. It may be anger. It may be lust. But we have an area that Satan knows he can mash our button. And if we're not careful, we'll give in. And Paul is saying, we've got to lay, or the Hebrews says, we've got to lay aside everything that's away. And we've got to lay aside every single sin. Because if you're going to run the race, that is the price. Now, how does that plan out for us? You know, how do you use your time? How do you use your time? I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that God didn't say that we could not, could not, could not, could not, could not. But you know what he calls us to do? He calls us to be good stewards of our time. He calls us to make wise use. In fact, Paul said, redeeming the time because the days are evil. If you find yourself playing golf more than you do doing God, that might be an imbalance. If you find yourself hunting more than you're doing the God thing, that might be an imbalance. If you find yourself crocheting a whole lot more than you're spending any time doing God stuff, that might be an imbalance. And these weights, these ideas, these missions of time may not be a sin. It just hinders us from being the runner that God wants us to be. How do you manage your time? It might be something like entertainment. Most entertainment is fine. There's some, obviously that's off limits. If you need a definition from a pastor, I'll be glad to talk with you after church. But there are certain things, even in the entertainment world, hey... If you say, Dwayne, I don't have time for a quiet time. I don't, have, I don't have time to read the Word of God. Excuse me, sir, but I bet if I call your house at 8 o'clock tonight, you're probably plopped down your easy chair watching the television. There's nothing wrong with, well, <laughs> whoops. There's nothing wrong with some television. But when we sit there and allow entertainment to rob us of the time and energy we need to serve God, that's a hindrance. Hey, even relationships. There are some relationships that can really be a hindrance to you, both romantically and non-romantically. 
You know, birds of a feather flock together. And if you're not careful, now we've got to be around lost people, I know that. But when you find yourself hanging around lost people and you find them rubbing off on you and said, you're rubbing off on them, that's a hindrance. Now we've got to be careful with this. Lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Well, okay. Look at the last part of verse number one. Let us run. You know what runners do? It's profound. They run. Runners run. Christians live in quote. I'm using this for familiarity's sake. Christians live the Christian life. Christians live the Christian life. We follow the God book. We follow the path of Jesus Christ. This, again, this idea that we can say, I'm on the team, I'm in, heaven's my home, is not biblical to have that statement in a carnal lifestyle. It just doesn't work. It's about time I go back to what my friend Andy Stanley's, no, no, Charles Stanley, the old Stanley said. Charles Stanley said one day, he says, you know, it's incredible, a whole lot of people are going to wake up in hell and be surprised. You know why? Because they got a church membership, they have a baptism, they have something like that, but they have no relationship with Jesus Christ. There's not an encounter with the Son of God. There's an encounter with a preacher, there's an encounter with an evangelist, there's an emotional pull during invitation, but it was never a life-changing experience with Christ. And you might have a person who owns the shoes. You may have your little Adidas shirt, shorts and shirt. But until you're out on the track, you're not a runner. Let us run. You remember who Jesus is? Okay, listen to what he said. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone, how many? If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. If you're going to be a Christ runner, if you're going to be a Christ follower, if you're going to be a believer in Jesus Christ, the mandate is take up your cross. Deny yourself and follow me. The the greatest example of this is Christ himself. Look what it says. Let us run how long? With endurance. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's, you don't pray a prayer, trust Jesus in quotes, and then your marriage gets better and you say, that's enough. Or the doctor says, oh, I was wrong. It's benign. Oh, guess what? Your pink slip is not a pink slip anymore. That's not what it's about. It's about understanding that you are a sinner before a holy God. And Jesus paid the price for your sin. And with acceptance of that gift, not to earn salvation, not to earn God's approval, not to earn God's love, but because of his love and because of his grace, I choose to run after Christ. Our worship leader signs your letters with chasing him. That's what I'm talking about. It's more than two words. We put it in the email. It means I am committed to following Jesus Christ. 
I am a Christ follower. Let us run with endurance. Did you know Jesus' life began in a manger? On this earth, it began in a manger when he strapped on the human body. And Jesus ran his race through childhood and adolescence. Through as a young man until age 30 when, when he began his public ministry. And he ran for three years, healing and touching, proclaiming, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. And do you understand? He ran straight to that. He ran straight to the cross. He allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. And when did it stop? It is finished. And he gave up his ghost. And he died. The calls to follow Christ, guys, I'm telling you, it's not this religious thing we've got going on in America. The calls to follow Christ, once you trust Him, is a lifelong calling of commitment to Him. God will not take second throne to anyone. God will not take second throne to any person. He is to be your God. Jesus, your Lord and your Savior. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. This is one of the most dangerous things. Have you figured out yet that God gives each one of us a different race? Let us run the race that is set before us. That my path may not be the same as Amy's path. Amy's path may not be the same as, as uh, Marquita's path. Marquita's path may not be the same as Sandy's path. Each path is different. And God maps out a race course for us to run how long? Until heaven. Until heaven. And here's the danger. If our path to us seems particularly hard, and someone's path seems to be particularly easy... We have a tendency, if we're climbing the hill, if we're doing Bell Hill, we have a tendency to go, you're not as spiritual as I am because I suffer more for Jesus. And we also have a tendency to say this. I don't like my course. I want his. I won't be the guy who stands up and talks to 300 people every week. Not 12 people in the preschool department. The danger is we want to compare our path to others. But we've got to be willing to say, okay, God, what you have called me to is what I will run. There's a great story in John chapter 21. It's really like the restoration of Peter and Jesus. You know, you know, they're out fishing and, and you know, and they, John says it's Jesus and Peter jumps in the water and swims to shore, you know, and, and they drag the fish up there and they have breakfast on the beach with Jesus. You know, fish and bread. It's really cool. And I kind of think that Jesus probably pulled Peter aside. He made it in front of the group. I don't know. And that's where he says, hey, hey, Simon Peter, do you love me? You know, and I won't get into what all that means. And, and Peter says, yes, Lord, you know, I love you. And then he says, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know, I love you three times. Jesus says, do you love me? And yes, I love you. And he gets some work. He says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. 
So apparently about that time, Jesus and Peter like take a stroll down the beach. Because the Bible says that he and Jesus were walking and Peter looks around. And guess who he sees? He sees John. Now Jesus had just told Peter that he's going to be crucified like he was. Like Jesus was. And so Peter looks and sees John tagging along and says these words. Hey, Lord, what about him? You know what Jesus said? Do you have a translation? Don't worry about it. If it's my will that he live until I come back, so be it. You follow me. You follow me. I don't know what race God's called you to. I don't know. But I know this. A sovereign God has chosen it for you. And regardless of how your health is, or your financial situation, or your social status at high school students, whatever it is, if you're a Christ follower, He has mapped a course for you. Follow Him. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to stop right there. Come back tonight and hear about Jesus. Come back tonight. And hear about Jesus. The five, four or five steps there. About how, how can we be more efficient runners? But today, can I ask you this? As you look and see those around you, whether it's Hebrews chapter 11, or whether it's the heroes in your life, the men who have impacted your life, there are several in this church whose fingerprints are on your pastor's heart that I will never forget. As you look at that, have you been willing to lay aside every weight? Look at me. Is there anything in your life today, human, social, whatever it might be, that comes before God? That's something you need to deal with. That is a sin. It's also a weight. What is keeping you today from being the effective follower of Christ that God is calling you to be? Is there a sin? Is there a sin? Most of us don't wear... Tags that say, I'm an adulterer, I'm a fornicator, um, I have a lust problem, I have anger problem issues, I'm greedy, I'm whatever. So this is probably something in your heart. But is there a sin in your life that you find yourself repeating over and over again, a besetting sin in your life? That's something you need to turn over to Jesus Christ. Why? So that you may run with endurance The race that is set before you. Okay, Dwayne. Why? Why? Because of grace. God's amazing grace that if you're a Christ follower, you have experienced. Should be the greatest motivating factor. To you being a committed runner. You do not need some preacher to stand up here. And if I had a pulpit and pound it. And convince you you ought to be guilty. You don't need that. And you don't need a wife who does it either. What you need is an understanding of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. And the fact that his grace has enabled you to one day go to heaven. And His grace has enabled you 
to live this life with peace and confidence. Grace is a much greater motivator. God's love is a much greater motivator than guilt. Amen? So are you willing today to run the race? Would you bow your heads right there where you are? Seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Let us run with endurance the race set before us. Now, if you're here today and, and you may have bought the shoes, and by that I mean... You've got a membership somewhere. You would call yourself a religious person, maybe a moral person. But you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Our friend Brent's going to be standing down front today. Take him by the hand and say, I want to be a Christ follower. I want to experience God's love and grace in my life. And we have some friends here today that will show you how you can have forgiveness for your sin. And experience God's grace. This room's probably full of a whole lot of runners, though. The only question remains what weight and what sin? What weight and what sin? Are you willing today to get uncomfortable for the cause of Christ? Are you willing today to be embarrassed for the cause of Christ? Are you willing to lose? Friendships for the cause of Christ. Can hobbies take a back seat for the cause of Christ? Can wealth and fortune and fame all take a back seat for the cause of Christ? Again, I'm not a runner now. Used to be like I told you. But I know this. The casual runner is a suffering runner. The casual runner is a suffering runner. And the casual follower of Christ finds it very difficult. I invite you to come, or right there, come face to face with Jesus Christ your Lord. I say, okay, God, what weight and what sin needs to go out of my life for the cause of Christ? God, thank you so much for this day, for the privilege of preaching your truth. Father, I pray you'll speak to our hearts today. If there's a young person, an older person, a student, here today, who needs Christ, may today be that day. Father, for those of us who know Jesus, may we commit to run and run hard. May we be willing to lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily besets us. May we be willing truly to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you. In Jesus' name I pray.